Welcome to Behave Intelligently, an uncensored exploration of behavior in the workplace, life, and the larger world. I'm your host, Jay Johnson. Thank you for joining this week's edition, where we're going to talk about the coronavirus and generational responses. I'm joined today by some behavioral all-stars from the Coeus Creative Group, Mark Garrison. How's it going? Madison Bennett. Hello. And of course, Stephanie Sim. Hello, hello. How are you all? Are you guys surviving this? Yes, and I would just like to point out the fact that we are recording this with a safe six feet in between all of us. Completely measured out, actually. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, we have uh, we have mouth protection across the microphones. We have a nice distance in between us. We've totally moved our entire podcasting studio into a much more open air area, and everything here has been disinfected. And if we had longer headphone cables, I was going to actually set it up in every single office when you guys came <laughs> in. <laughs> Just <laughs> the only challenge I had. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, today we're looking at the generational response that we're seeing uh, both in the United States, but even globally, and the differences in the way that people are sort of behaving and reacting to this. And one of the things that I want to make sure that you know, from our perspective, we're not labeling or we're not broad brushing this. So there's not going to be something like all of the, you know, boomer generation is this, but really kind of needling in on some of those behaviors that we're seeing either in the media or even within our own daily lives. So, uh, Len, why don't we start off with how do you see, because we, uh, we have a lot of different age ranges even within our podcast, what are you guys seeing from your friends or from your family and how people are sort of reacting to this? Well, I'll be honest, uh, as an introvert, I've kind of been preparing for this. My life hasn't <laughs> been that life. affected. You know, I, I'm at home still. My internet's still going. I don't have to talk to anybody face to face. I've seen some. It's great... kind of paradise for me. I'll be honest. Yeah, I've seen some great memes going. Introverts, check on your extrovert friends. They're not okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. But what about uh, what about our generation? So most of us in here fall within the millennial generation. Some at the top end, some at the bottom end, uh, as I've been reminded a couple of times. But what have you guys seen amongst your colleagues, friends of that age generation, and how they're responding to it? The media seems to be not particularly portraying our generation and younger very well, but I've seen a lot of responsibility uh, from our generation, at least in our area. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, personally, a lot of my friends, including myself, my roommates, um, were taking it very seriously. We were quarantining at home, um, social distancing, uh, limiting contact with the people we have, um, you know, just trying to do our part and our due diligence and mitigating the spread of the virus, you know, just because we might not have it or don't think we have it. It's better to stay home instead of maybe catching it from someone and then spreading it to 10 other people. I, I felt the same thing. And I think a lot of people our age, um, they do recognize that, okay, they're not at the high risk level that they will be um, that they will die from coronavirus, but they're very concerned with being carriers. And I've been impressed with my friends who have taken on that responsibility to say, sure, if I go out, I likely won't be affected personally, but I do not want to spread this any further. And it's the least we can do to stay home and not um, not be a, what's the word? There's a word for this. The carrier? Yes, or that. You know, yeah. the transmitter? Transmitter. There That's the go. one I was looking for. Um, so 
so we've all just been happy to cancel our plans. You know, it's it's not that difficult. I mean, it. I'm not looking forward to maybe in a month if we're all uh, on lockdown. That's going to be annoying. But again, small price to pay for the larger impact. Yeah. I, so one of the most fascinating things is obviously there's been a bunch of media coverage right now about spring breakers in Florida and I don't care if I get the virus, I'm going to keep drinking and, you know, all of that type of behavioral stuff. And I think that's getting labeled a little bit. Mark, you're, you know, one of the experts here on generational, you know, generational issues, generational diversity. Uh, What would you say as a response to that on, you know, on behalf of the generations? what, What do you think? What's your analysis there? With any generation, there's outliers in all the different behaviors. And I think some of what you're seeing with those folks saying, oh, I'm not going to get it and partying and doing all those things, those are the outliers. I think a a large uh, portion of the, the millennials, for example, are being cautious, like Stephanie was saying and Madison were saying, like they're isolating themselves and and hand sanitizing and washing their hands and trying to be cautious not to spread it. Not and, playing tug of war on a beach with a right, thousand of their closest right. friends. Now, there was an article I read um, somewhere in Europe. Uh, I forget which country it was. They w- were going to bars and, you know, the bars had signs out front, coronavirus party, and people were going around making out with each other. No way. Is that real? Yeah. Oh, my God. I saw a video on, like, Barstool or something where two people were making out in front of a giant, like, sign on the street that said, be cautious, coronavirus outbreak, like. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, those are the outliers. I don't think those are the folks that are uh, representing the large portion of the generation. And I think, you know, we look at the older generations and we have the same thing. We have some people that are hunkering down and, and being cautious. But we also have a lot more, I think, with some of the older generation that might be a little more risky uh, in terms of thinking that they're not immune to it um, and or they are immune to it and not as concerned about being a carrier. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's a little bit of a challenge. But then I think if you go even older, you have a lot of older citizens say... 70 80 90 who are being extremely cautious they understand that they are a um they've got a target on they got a target on on their back but they also lived through a lot of different times where some of these different precautions were necessary i mean think uh, how they had to behave during world war ii with food rations and all those things they're not the ones going crazy running through the store trying to get to the toilet paper first or get cases of water which i don't i don't think case the cases i don't understand the cases of water thing i'll be honest like, i don't understand the toilet I, paper. I, I still have a, i still have a faucet in my house that has mm-hmm. good running water i'm not not sure on that but um so i think there's that weird mix between millennials and the 70 year olds that the behaviors are, are kind of not the norm. So let's look at some of these behavioral, you know, characteristics. We have the high risk uh, tolerant, you know, the high risk takers that are going to go out and spring break and party, go make out with each other at the bars. 
you know, what do you think are some of the contributing factors to that? Because a lot of people are looking at it and saying, ah, well, there's so much misinformation coming out from the media outlets. It's not necessarily their fault. There's others that are saying, well, you know, they're young and uh, they're really not affected as much by this. And if they co- choose to go out and, you know, get the coronavirus, as long as they if they go on spring break and they all decide to go on spring break, and as long as they self-quarantine when they get back. So that way they're not spreading it beyond themselves. You know, that would be OK. But what do you think some of the behaviors or some of the uh, drives are that are essentially pushing them? Is it a lack of understanding? Is it a lack of information? Is it a just lack of of ultimate care for humanity you know one of the things i think on that and i talk about it when i train on generational diversity in the workplace or anything like that it's similar behaviors um millennials younger millennials um being raised were not necessarily raised to be responsible they were they were given an iphone right away or a cell phone they break it, they didn't have to go get a job to go buy it again. Their parents would replace it or, if, you know, if they damage things. People always handled issues for them. And I think that is something we're seeing a little bit more with the behaviors around the coronavirus too. I think those millennials, we'll call them, that are the outliers probably didn't have to handle a lot of things on their own that someone always did stuff for them where the ones being more responsible were the ones that were raised to be more responsible too. Yeah. I think it's this whole idea of social responsibility. It's not, it's not I, it's us, you know, you have to think about how this affects other people. And that goes a lot with how you were raised and having other people take care of your problems for you because then you're like, well, you don't really think about other people. You only think about yourselves. Well, I think in general, America as a country kind of has an every man for himself ideology, and that might influence everything too. Like, oh, you know, it's not my problem if yada, yada, yada. And I think that now um, that belief is being really challenged and saying, is that really a sustainable way to build a community? And um, and are you comfortable with with continuing in that mindset? Or are Definitely a stress test. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I find interesting, though, is that the generation, the millennial generation is often credited for being far more socially responsible and far more considerate of the environment, far more considerate of fellow humanity. And they want that incorporated into their job, their work and everything else like that. Um, And again, this is not a broad brush stroke to say all millennials or anything else. It's more of just kind of how are we going to get to the bottom of that? That same person that you saw in the streets of uh, you know, on, his, on the beaches in Miami that's out there partying is probably potentially of that same generation that is demanding, uh, you know, social responsibility in the workplace. Like, how is that? How do you think that that is being weighed out, that cognitive dissonance between those two types of messages? I have no idea. You know, it's that same person probably, if they struggled in school, had their parents call and yell at the teacher. Sure. You know, so I think there's those cases are so unique. It's it's. I'd really like to know more about those people as someone who likes to study behaviors and everything like that. I want to know more of how do they interact in every other situation? How did they interact as a child? How are they interacting in the workplace if they if they have a job? Um, how are they interacting in the classroom if they're going to school? And seeing how, if those behaviors are fairly consistent 
or is this someone who just goes, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm pretty healthy right now. I think I can survive whatever this is. I want a cheap vacation. Yeah. Yeah. What responsibility do you place on, you know, obviously we do a lot of communications discussion around the behavior side of things. What responsibility do you place on, say, the media, right? Like initially when things were coming out, you had leadership, you had media saying, ah, it's not that big of a deal. People are overreacting. And then now all of a sudden the entire narrative has shifted. Where does that fall into the responsibility? I mean, if you heard those messages up front and you heard them originally and you're like, everybody's saying it's not a big deal. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to change anything. And then as we get forward, obviously more people have kind of, it's almost like global warming, right? Like initially when people talked about it, there was like 10 people that were like, hey, no, seriously, this is a huge deal. And everybody's like, no, no, it's not, it's not, it's not. And then all of a sudden, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more started to be like, okay, we really have some climate change issues. And now all of a sudden, it's more mainstream. It seems like that happened at a much more rapid rate with this. But is it still just some people that are kind of those late adopters that are going to be problematic for the entire society? And what responsibility do you think the media has or that leadership has? from kind of initiating those discussions before we knew what was going on. And you just open a can of worms. Um, <laughs> You're right. Yeah, for me, go at it, especially <laughs> because, you know, I have said before, I used to be a journalist. I was a member of the media. Um, and I think that nowadays we, we kind of have a government that put this distrust in the media. Um, you know, we're reporting facts and figures. You have to take time to be knowledgeable on your source so be mindful of where you're getting your media from because you can get a lot of stuff on the internet you can I can I see people sharing like all this stuff like saying oh yeah you did you know that you can um be immune to coronavirus if you actually it lives in your throat so if you drink enough water it's gonna go away yeah or gargle salt yeah so these things like I think people think that they can get news from wherever they think it aligns with their political views but um you know for me i'm big on supporting your local media so you know local papers news stations that are working around the clock to bring you this information um that might be a little less biased politically um just really take your time to be more knowledgeable in what you're taking in you know we're not making up the numbers of um, cases that are coming out in Michigan. We're not making up the fact that Governor um, Whitmer shut down restaurants and bars and venues. This right. is all things that are actually happening. But then people are like, oh, they're blowing out of proportion. Like, this is just going to, it's going to happen. Of course, they're going to rise as more testing comes out. But we can't flatten the curve unless we start to take those numbers seriously because people are like, oh, well, I'm still going to go out and go to the grocery store three times a week and take everything in sight, you know, you just, it's this big thing of mindfulness and also has to do with like your political views. And it's, it's a huge, 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 long, long, long line of, um, you know, biases for yourself that are going to affect how you take the media and how serious you take it and how you digest it. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not criticizing mass media in the, in the larger scale, but I do think that there's competing narratives. There's competing, you know, depending on, depending on which 
news source that you were watching from the early onset. One of them was saying it's not as bad. One of them was saying it was a little bit better. And some of them were saying it's, you know, Armageddon. And some of them were saying there's nothing to be worried about. And that's not even necessarily just politically affiliated either. It's really, uh, it was almost like there was a race to be correct. And they were guessing, at least in the first part. It, that's what it seemed like. And obviously they're still quoting the facts and figures and the sources, but there's always that narrative about, well, this is the cases right now, so we shouldn't be worried, versus this is the cases right now, and we should be worried. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know where that responsibility necessarily falls. And I think, I think if the media were to drop some of the drama in the way they frame facts, people would have a lot more responsive action to it. Sometimes, I mean, you op- you look at the news media and whatever, would, whichever one it is, you know, and there's a lot of, I don't want to say exaggeration, but the way they phrase it is to create interest and to get people to read it and to go to them as a source where I really just want facts. I want that information without any bias or any uh, opinion. And I think there's a lot of that happening from national 24-7 medias. I think the local news are great sources. There's a lot less um, sensationalism there because the local news channels only run news on certain hours of the day. Right. They're not trying to fill the gaps with uh, opinion makers who... Or they might not be trying as hard to get that viral tweet or that yeah. you know, that viral video that will the bring them more bait. viewers. Yeah. Right. They're just there to do to do their thing, to provide news to the local people and in the area that most of them are living. Um, and, you know, those are the same people that you interact with and see. And they're the ones hosting your or emceeing your local charity events and things like that. I think those are the ones that I'm going to trust a little bit more for my news than someone who is you know got millions and billions of followers and um put a little bit too much of their opinion spin on things on whatever political side it is or whatever channel it is sure i want to go back to something that stephanie said a little while ago about it being a little bit of an american response and you know how that affects you know how does culture affect the generations here and there uh you know when we see a lot of you know a lot of the responses from the younger generations in uh, in Asia that had been obviously ravaged by this early on, there was uh, less resistance to the idea of shelter in place. There was less resistance, but generally, it's a much more um, it's it, it follows rules and structures and orders a lot more than I would say like American teens or American uh, you know American. Uh, even millennials in that case, you know, there's that element of you can't take my freedom, uh, that sort of intrinsic drive for autonomy that, uh, you know, that is so pervasive in our culture. How do you think that that impacts the way that some of the different generations, even in America, you know, you have the the boomers, as you said, that were World War II era and the millennials that have uh, maybe not necessarily been through anything like this. What are your thoughts on that? Is there a cultural aspect to that generational response as well? I, I think there is. I think I think there is very much a cultural response in terms of, you know, how America behaves in times of crises, and you see a little difference between generations. 
Um, but Americans don't like to be told what to do. They like their freedom. They like their liberty. They don't like the government intervening in their day-to-day lives and telling them what they can and cannot buy at the stores. But if you look back to World War II or the Depression, that's what the government was doing. And I think some of that older generation, um, this is reliving it. Um, For the most part, some of them, this is what they were born into. And hate to say it, this is sort of what they might be going out to. Sure. Um, you know, I saw a, a, someone on my Facebook feed had posted um, that high school students graduating this year were born into 9 11. Mm-hmm. You know, so they were born into 9 11 and are going out of high school with coronavirus. Those are major things that are going to impact that generation as well. But I think that they also had the recession too. You got to watch and they had the financial the recession. So there's a lot of those life events too that are factoring into the response that might be American related responses or might just be part of a generational response. But I think at a sum, I mean, Americans don't like to be told no. Yeah. What about you guys? What are your thoughts? I agree. 100%. Of course we don't like to be told no. Of course I hate sitting on my couch every day and wondering what the hell am I going to do <laughs> for the next <laughs> two weeks. But, I mean, it's everyone is different. Like, some people are just like, you know what? I'm going to go out still, which in my personal opinion is selfish unless you absolutely have to. It's necessary. You need maybe medicine or food. But... um you know, you can't control your surroundings either. There are a lot of companies that are still functioning and working in and having their employees come in every day, mm-hmm. you know, and they can't say no because right now we're in this like limbo and we're going through a recession, um, which it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. And they don't know when their ne- next paycheck is going to come. So they're like, well, yeah, I have to go to work. Yeah. I, I think that America also likes to think of itself as um, the best country, a grand country, and, and a lot of people, like the mindset, it tends to lean toward bad things can't or don't happen here, which isn't true. And I think a lot of people felt like because um, this is America, like, oh, you know, that's not going to be an issue for us. We can handle it. And maybe, um, I, I don't know, maybe our status as a first world country makes people feel a little more invincible than they really are. Um, but that might just... I, I don't know. I, no, I, I agree with that. I yeah. mean, if you look at anything that has affected areas in the United States, whether it was a, a hurricane hitting a community, that community felt it. But the rest of America is like, well, they failed on their, their preparedness, their response. They bought by the golf. They should have known better. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. So it's always that sort of cocky mentality, I think, too. It's your problem, not mine. Yeah. yeah, it's American exceptionalism, which is, is is pretty well known, and I don't think it's something that even America would shy away from in many aspects. But let's take a look at the top 10 countries that are currently showing for the highest numbers. You have China as number one, obviously, where it had initiated. But number two is Italy. Three is Iran. Four is Spain. Five is Germany. Six is U.S. Seven is France. Eight is South Korea. Nine is Switzerland, and 10 is the United Kingdom. 
I mean, of all of those, those right. are your dominant world superpowers in Europe and Asia and and the Americas. So I, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think that on some level, anytime it's been something like Ebola or it's been something like, uh, you know, some kind of flu or, or anything else that came out of somewhere else, it was, that's over there and we don't have to deal with that. And now all of a sudden it's, oh my gosh, we have to deal with this and we don't really know how to. So I think that, uh, I think your point's well taken. It was kind of how we started though, too. Like, oh, the economy and, and life in London is kind of terrible right now. Oh, they're going to tax us? We're going to resolve it now. Like yeah. we didn't care what was going on over in Britain at the time. It, but then as soon as it, it started over. to affect us here, well, we're going to fill the fill the bay with tea and, and declare yeah. independence. <laughs> I mean, it was, we're going back to how we how we were founded. Yeah. So, you know, one of the memes that I saw going around are kind of messages. I don't know that I would call it a meme, but oh, I was excited. I was like, let's talk memes. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, <laughs> Lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I think one of the ones that was pretty compelling was uh, and I'm going to screw up the exact language of it. But essentially, the message was the older generation risked their lives and went to war for us and you know gave up their lives for us so that way we could have this life and we're being asked now to sit on the couch and essentially not go outside in order to protect theirs you know put it in perspective type communication do you think that that's effective messaging for a younger generation or for a generation that maybe didn't uh you know experience world war ii or didn't experience the vietnam war yes (laughs) yeah i I think that because, you know, we're always on the go. Um, Millennials, we're always on the go, you know, whether it's traveling, working nonstop. And half the time we're like, you know what? I really do want to sit on my couch and do nothing. And then we get presented this opportunity and we're like, I think putting in that that kind of like frame and mindset is like just sit on, you just need to sit on your couch to help stop this. And I think it makes it a little easier to digest because people think it's, kind of more of a policing thing you know like you can't do this and this and this like just sit at home and do nothing for once it's okay we'll get through it I mean I'm I'm going through it right now and I'm struggling but (laughs) I know that I'll get through it stay strong Madison stay strong (laughs) I think it's accurate framing and for the most part might be effective but I could see that it might um, ruffle some feathers I think people might feel like why are you shaming me into doing this because they really don't understand um what it was like to you know go off to war sure so so i i saw that messaging too um scrolling through twitter and i was like yeah i feel sufficiently put in my place but other people might um might not find it persuasive yeah the other people might feel like they're being talked down to sure well i think some of it too uh, when i talk in my trainings on this topic is younger folks whether it's gen uh Gen Z or Gen Y, millennials or Gen Z, um, they grew up in a very structured life. Um, they were always booked from morning till night, uh, wake up to bedtime with different activities, whether it was going to school, whether it was dance class, sports class, whatever it was, they were constantly scheduled. And now all of a sudden, there's nothing to do for them. Mm-hmm. Or me growing up as a kid, yeah, quarantine for a couple of weeks. I got my big bucket of Legos. I'm good to go. Come back and check on me. Um, but I didn't have all those scheduled activities where it kept me zoom, zoom, zoom from point A to point B. So I think that's a factor that some people are experiencing is, oh, 
well, I've never had this much downtime. What do I do now? So I think that can be a contributing factor. What do you think the struggles are? So, uh, you know, and we know that we're going to talk in in one of our future episodes about some strategies for working from home. But how do you think that that's affect the generations right now? You know, you have uh, a lot of the younger generations, obviously, very tech savvy. They have the capabilities of being a little bit more digital nomads. Um, obviously, excluding the essential services that really do have to go into work every day. Um, some of those that are not necessarily essentially required to be at a place every day, uh, that really spans all of the generations. And how do you think that that's affected maybe some of the older generation that may not have all of the technical gadgets or may not have all of the technical savvy to, um, you know, to adequately feel comfortable working from home? You know, I think... This is the the younger person's time to shine within companies, um, but it's also their responsibility to take on, to become a mentor in a way. Um, and I don't know that that's happening. The younger people or the more tech savvy people, I don't want to just say young people are tech savvy. There's some older folks that are definitely tech wizards um, that need to help those that might be struggling because that's going to create some more clash points um, and frustrations as people struggle with technology or, you know, try to do a web conference or a, a team meeting and they can't get the phone lines to work or they can't hear or they can't get their Zoom meeting uh, functioning or, you know, their computer's Windows 98 is, is going through an update, you know, because right. they haven't used their home computer in, in 10 years. So I think those are some of those challenges. Oh, Windows 98. Second edition, it was very stable, um, that they're going to be facing. And it's it's those that have the skill sets, time to shine and really help others and step it up. Yeah. Your guys' thoughts? How have you been handling working from home? <laughs> oh, it's going great. <laughs> I mean, obviously we are in a unique position uh, we are all, our company is very well equipped to work from home and work digitally, work from anywhere essentially because, um, you know, you guys travel a lot. You're going all over the place for trainings. But I'm, it's more so a struggle with to be <laughs> staying on task at home. Um, but I mean, right now I'm in the position where I am home every day, all day. So, now work is honestly a joy because it gives me something to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm like in the evenings where I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs like, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> you, can yeah. keep, you can keep working. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All day, every day. Well, I worked remotely for part of the week before this anyway, but now that I'm required to, I found it harder for some reason. Um, I, I don't know. It's like now that it's the only option, I, I fall into a pit of distractions. Like last week I sat down to do some remote work and then watch three hours of reality TV <laughs> and then the next day we had to make it up. So, um, <laughs> so yes, distractions are everywhere, um, but we're just going to have to get used to it. And I've seen a lot of helpful schedules people have been sharing online. What their approach is, is like, okay, every day I'm going to make a routine. Like I get up at the same time. Um, I block out the same hours for work just so I don't unravel my day. And, and before I know it, it's nighttime and I haven't done anything. So I think a, a strict routine or some sort of structure is going to be really important um, in making sure people don't waste their days. Yeah, I think that's a great place to 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 kind of close off. And next 
episode, we're going to talk about how to be productive if working from home. So some different technologies, um, some different strategies, approaches that hopefully, you know, as we sort of continue down this coronavirus uh, new unprecedented challenge, maybe there'll be some tips that you can latch on to that'll hopefully give you, um, you know, what you need to be far more productive uh, at home because we do have a lot of experts that, you know, are very, very adept at working from a distance. So let's let's kind of close our thoughts here on the generations. And what is something that you want to leave the audience with? Uh, something about the generations or something about the approach or the coronavirus? What is something that you want to communicate out to the broader audience about thinking through some of the behaviors, whether you see it from the older generations or the younger generations? Does anybody have something that they want to leave as sort of that last key piece of information for your audience? I would say if you're part of the older generation, have a conversation with the family members that are younger about not being a carrier. Uh, while my immune system's strong, my mom's is terrible. She's immune compromised. So I'm trying to isolate myself to help my mom. You know, I mentioned on the last podcast that I was organizing a conference. Well, one of my panelists dropped out because his family talked to him about not being in those environments for their sake. Mm. He goes, even though I could have been, I, I would have survived it. I don't have any concerns over that. They asked me not to, and that's why I'm not doing it. And I think those messages that we're seeing on social media are great, but they mean even more and have a stronger impact if they come from a loved one. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I just say be patient and kind with one another, especially when you're trying to have those conversations with someone that's in a different generation on their social responsibility to just stay home. Um, and yes, please stay home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend doesn't have the luxury of working from home. He works at a, a store that sells groceries and home supplies, so he will be working throughout all this. So the more you go out, the more you put him at risk. He has asthma if he gets COVID-19. You know, it's going to be a struggle for him. And my sister's boyfriend also doesn't have the luxury. He's a Dearborn firefighter. So he'll be working through all of this, all of our first responders. Keep all those people in mind. It's, you know, a global effort. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to those first responders that have to go to these different places, locations, help with the people who are sick, injured, or anything else like that, you know, really think about them and, and keep that in mind. I think that's really critical. And the people... Be nice to the people at the grocery stores, you know? Yes. <laughs> uh, they, it's not their fault that they're out of stock. It's not their fault. So, you know, practice a little intelligent behavior and really kind of empathize. I love that. I'd say that um, although the generations have so many differences and have grown up in vastly different landscapes from technology to the economy, this is one thing, this one event that we are experiencing together and as scary and uncertain as it is, it's kind of amazing that we have this opportunity to be united and be compassionate. And so as different as we are, um, we th this is on all of us. We're sharing this experience and we we can show each other care. Yeah, so a little bit of a, 
a little bit of empathy goes a long way. A little bit of collaboration goes a long way. And I think that that's what I would also kind of end with is when we're thinking about when we're thinking about the way that people behave, obviously there's a lot of different intrinsic drivers. There's a lot of different cultural drivers or value systems that really push it. And one of the best ways for us to be able to influence other people is to try to understand them and try to understand and explain where those behaviors come from. That's a big part of our behavioral intelligence approach. Uh, by understanding them, it's maybe a little bit easier to deliver those influence messages in a more productive and effective way. So when we see something that we just don't understand or anything else, take a step back, you know, especially at this time. we got a lot of time to sit and think. And, um, you know, if you can take a step back and start asking those questions of, well, why did this person do this? Where, where did that come from? Where did those ideas permutate from? So if we can do that, I think it'll give us a much better uh, a much better understanding and a much better way to communicate with each other. So uh, while keeping that social distance, uh, also make sure that you are maintaining some level of social contact, whether it's from Zoom meetings or telephone, you know, stay connected. And you're right, we're all in this together. And make sure that you wash your damn hands. So with that being said, I'm going to take us out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Behave Intelligently. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Coeus Creative Group, visit our website or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in next time when we talk more about behaving intelligently while working from home.